Hello and welcome to Dear Listener, a show where we talk about anything and everything from parenting tips to our TikTok viral pocket money system to life lessons, travel experiences and budgeting. We cover just about everything. And on today's episode, I'm chatting to you all about the viral pocket money system that TikTok absolutely love, where my parents gave us $300 equivalent to today's dollars per month for pocket money. And if you're interested to hear the why and the caveats that came with that, then listen up. Back in 2008, my parents decided to change it up a bit. So instead of doing, you know, a dollar per year you were born, which they used to do, and it meant that, you know, at the age of five, I was getting $5, whereas my sister, who was nine, was getting $9, and we did the same jobs. And my dad just realized, you know what, this was actually really unfair. Why should we be paying kids per age? And I get that a nine-year-old could do more than a five-year-old, but they just didn't think that that was fair. So instead they decided to transition into a different methodology of giving pocket money. And so they decided to give us, and it sounds crazy, back in 2008 they gave us $140 per month, per child. And there was four of us, four children. And and it wasn't just $140 where we got to grab it and go spend on the latest Barbie doll, no. Instead they gave it to us to teach us the importance of saving and putting it into long-term savings, short-term savings, and I'll, I'll touch on that a little bit later, spending and tithe. And so this $140 wasn't just given to us and then they would never see it again. So how it worked was that mum and dad gave us $140 and $70, so half of it, had to go to our long-term savings. Now long-term savings essentially means something that you cannot touch and it is purely for your house essentially a house fund. And so this money started to, at the age of eight, we were seeing that half of our income was going towards a house. And it just made us realize at such a young age how hard it is for people to start saving and how hard it is for people to actually, like the value of money, you know? And so I think that was such a great lesson that they taught us at such a young age. And so so obviously with 140 down to now 70, because 70 goes into long-term savings, we now have $70 left. But again, we couldn't just spend that money. So out of that $70 came our tithe. So obviously we're left with $56. And so we don't, again, we don't just get $56 to go and spend on the latest Barbie doll. No, we have short-term savings. Now short-term savings is where your money goes to go buy a car. Or to go and buy a piano or a drum kit or something that is of value. Usually it is for a depreciating asset. Um, you know, whereas your long-term saving is appreciating asset. And so with our short-term savings, that for me primarily was my car. And But there was also a caveat though. With short-term savings, you couldn't save up $5,000 and go buy a $5,000 car. No, you had to save $10,000 to buy a $5,000 car. You had to save double what you wanted to spend. So you always had to have double the amount. So essentially you can only spend half of what's in your short-term savings. That left us $36 for spending. Again, we weren't just spending on the latest Barbie dolls. One thing I missed out on that I forgot to mention earlier on in the podcast is that we had to buy pretty much everything. Everything from down to your clothes, which is very, very controversial. I've had a lot of backlash um, on TikTok as people think that necessity should be covered by a parent. And look, hear me out. When we ended up going to school um, in the later years of our schooling, our parents paid for our uniforms. Our parents paid for sporting, for our trips, all of that. Doctor's appointments, they paid. They did the usual parent thing. They paid for our $5,000 braces. They did that. They did not pay for our clothes, 
our toys. If we wanted to go and get some food out, if we're shopping and I'm like, yeah, I want McDonald's, we paid. At the age of eight, so I was eight, my sister was, um, Christy was 10, Becky was 12. So my brother was actually only four years old. And my mum will talk to this more when I interview her. But essentially what she did is she put aside the money that would have gone to Luke, but because Luke was so young, he wasn't able to make those financial decisions. And every time Luke needed some clothes, then she would take it out of his spending money account. So that way they were able to really drill down on the importance of actually if we wanted something and we couldn't afford it, then saving for it. As a child at the age of eight, if you are just literally asking your parents for things, you have no idea the value of money. When you get to the age of 18, you move out. How on earth are you supposed to know how much things cost, how to save, how to budget? Something else that my dad did was ensure that we kept a track, a very close eye on our spending by having a finance book. Now the finance book side of the pocket money system I hated. I hated so much, but I really do think it was so integral in the sense that we were able to really hone down on every single dollar that came in and every single dollar that came out. There are plus and negatives towards this and I'll chat to my sister Rebecca who has a different perspective on the whole system in the finance book. But essentially the finance book had um, an in section and an out section and you wrote down everything from the date to a description to the dollar amount. If you found a dollar on the ground or 10 cents, you wrote that as money coming in. If you went and brought an apple pie from McDonald's for $2, you wrote that down as coming out. And dad at any time would say, show me your finance books. And we would have to go and show him the finance books and ensure that they were up to date. And if they weren't up to date, then we we would be told off. But he was very good in, in a sense that he was always like keeping us accountable to making sure that they were up to date and they were accurate as well. And I really, I, I hated this part. I hated it so much. and. My dad would always ask us to put a ruler, like draw a line down the page and actually make it into a kind of an Excel spreadsheet kind of type. And I could never be bothered finding a ruler. And so I would just literally do squiggles as my lines. And he was not impressed that I did that. Christy was very meticulous and she always used a ruler. Becky was good as well. I think Christy was probably the best because that's her analytical kind of brain. And me and Becky are a bit more uh, creative and didn't have time for that. The pocket money system didn't actually last that long. I think it only lasted for about four years until mum and dad said, okay, you know, it's time for you guys to, to go off and get money and find money and work for it yourself. And so by the age of 14, I actually got my first official job. I got a non-official job at the age of 12. I did a property press and I did something called Hannah's pet sitting business. And these were all ways that helped me earn money. And then at the age of 14, I actually got went out and got a a part-time job at Domino's Pizza. So it wasn't like a pocket money system that lasted until we were 18 years old. It was actually just a system that was with us until um, during those years where you should be learning about money. But who teaches you Who teaches you about that? You don't, in, in school, there's no um, money one-on-one class. No, not even in year 13 do they have that. And we were homeschooled. So I think it was a really fun way of mum and dad really teaching us accounting and economics by understanding the value of money. And I absolutely loved the system. I think it was absolutely great. Mum and dad wanted to teach us that money, it shouldn't be something that you completely fixate on because that is the danger of the pocket money system that you are teaching your kids from a young age to be super fixated on things that they shouldn't really be worrying about. But instead what mum and dad did is they tried to teach us the importance of the of experiences and being able to enjoy our family in the moment. And so we would use 
a lot of our savings, um, we, we'd put aside money in a holiday account and we would actually contribute towards our family holidays, which was at the age of 12 when we did our first world trip, we had to contribute you know, a relative amount of money. I think it was like $1,000, over $1,000, and I was 12. And so I had to work really hard to actually save that money. I did markets, I sold stuff on Trade Me. And so it really forced you to actually think outside the box at such a young age. So I guess the pocket money system really taught us that if we are wanting to achieve and buy the things that we are really wanting to buy, if we want to buy a house at a young age, we can't focus just on the money we earn. So we can't focus on just the salary that we earn when we're older. We can't just focus on that and expect we're going to become millennials from working a normal job. So I think what mum did really taught us to do was think outside the box and to start side hustles. So by the age of 12, I was doing a property press run. I had my own business, Hannah's Pet Sitting Business, where I had so many different clients around the um, neighborhood and I was looking after people's dogs and I hated dogs then and I hated walking dogs, but I did it anyway because I just loved the fact that I could go out and earn money. And the thing is, because I was homeschooled, it really gave us an advantage that we were able to do things during school time. And something else that we did is we would often go and sell stuff at the local markets. We even would do little games at the markets. Me and my brother set up, it was so funny, we set up this um, mini park course. So essentially it was like two meters and you had a line where the people would stand behind, would give them a putter and a ball. And then two meters in front of them, we would sell a tape down a $20 note. And if they managed to hit the ball and it landed directly on the $20 note, we would give it to them. They had to pay $2 for a putt. And so for them, they were like, yeah, let's do it. But it was so hard for them to actually get it on. And we made so much money. That's just an example. We did many more little things like that. And, and we really tried to think outside the box. So um, if we had to go and try and raise money for something, then what we'd do is we'd go around the neighborhood and knock on doors. My brother did something which was absolute genius, and I will get him to talk about it, but briefly, he would buy bulk things from auctions, from auction houses, because my parents would go, and he would go around the neighborhood and selling it. And, and he was just a genius. He was probably the most entrepreneurial type of a kid that you'd ever meet. You know, he's got so many side houses up his sleeve. And so it really, it, it did teach us to be savvy with our money and that if we wanted to uh, go on a family holiday and contribute, we actually had to work for it and work really hard. And we all got jobs at a very young age, but we could do that because we were homeschooled and it you know, was completely feasible and achievable for us to do that. Will I do this pocket money system with my family when I'm older? I think I will because it is something that really teaches them the importance of every dollar and it also gives them a greater appreciation for the parents. Like I now appreciate so much more, you know, watching my parents work hard and save. Whereas if you didn't have that pocket money system, you would never have that that knowledge of how important and how hard it is to save every dollar. And every time you go out to the movies, oh, mom, can I have $10 for the movies? It's like that actually, it takes time to earn that $10. So I think I will. I think I'll maybe enhance it or, um, you know, really manage my kids' money better in terms of maybe I'll invest their money in their long-term savings. My parents didn't, but maybe because I do have a better knowledge of investments, um, that I probably will will do that just so they can earn more money on their long-term savings rather than it just sitting in the bank and kind of losing value. But it's definitely something that I want to be doing with my kids. Do I still keep a finance book? I do. 
And if you watch my TikToks, you would know that I keep a very, very sharp eye on every single dollar that I spend. And I write it all down. I have a really cool Excel spreadsheet. If you want to have a look, check out my TikTok and you can see all the different tips and tricks on how to create sheets and what sheets I use. I actually have a really amazing one on Google Docs. So if you go onto my TikTok and click the link in my bio and you scroll down to the bottom, then I actually have the link to the Google Docs and it's like a free link and it is honestly life-changing. And I have a TikTok video on how you can use it and how it can really change your, your budgeting aspect of life. And, and it is honestly so great. How are my savings now? My savings, I would say, are very good. I have my own property. If you haven't listened to that podcast, then listen next. Um, it's how I built my first investment property at the age of 23. And so essentially from the age of 12, I realized that property was something that I did want to do when I grew up. It was something that I wanted to be a property investor. So I saved from the age of 12. So from the age of 12, I saved for my first investment property. And by the age of 23... 11 years later, I managed to build my first property and it was such a rewarding outcome, I think, from 11 years of hardcore saving and um, being really cautious about, you know, my money and to actually see it as a house and have a tenant in there and just the the immense, the, um, the feeling of just like accomplishment, you know, that I finally have been able to um, do what people told me was never possible. I actually had a, one of my economics teachers, she got up in front of our entire class in year 12 and said, none of you ever own your own property. And right there, I love to prove people wrong. I love it. It's one of the things about my personality. And so I was like, you know what? I want to prove her wrong. Like, no, don't, no. She can't speak those negative words into my life. No, I'm going to have my first investment property. And I originally wanted to have it by the age of 21. That didn't happen. But I think 23, um, I think is, I guess it's still a good accomplishment. But no, my savings now, um, I guess every single dollar goes into paying off my mortgage. I have a mortgage now. And I also have multiple businesses that I'm having to fund as well. So in a sense of having a savings fund, I don't really have many much savings because it just all is going towards my mortgage. What's my thoughts on investments? Well, I, again, love property investment. In terms of stocks, I don't enjoy it. I don't understand it that well. I did a financial minor and we did look at stocks in the share market. But I just don't really... I don't find enjoyment in it. I, I tried to get into it. I tried to read about it. I've invested in sheezies. I've lost a lot of money. I brought Tesla shares. I lost money in Tesla shares. It's just not how I want to be investing my money. I think property is a very, I, I was going to say safe. It's not a safe investment, but it is tangible and you get to see it and you get to actually add value to it. You can't add value to shares. You can go on and renovate a property. You can subdivide all that. You can't do that with shares. You know, I get that there is ways that you can short the market and all that you can be smart about how you, yeah, all that jazz, but no, that's not for me. But I think overall, I attribute a lot of my financial savviness, if that's a word, to my parents and how they taught us the fundamentals of money and economics through the pocket money system. I went to school in year 10 and did economics and I learned more about money and the economy from my parents than I ever did at school. And so it just really goes to show that if you teach your kids and train your kids at such a young age to really understand money, then they will be a lot more savvier and they will hopefully, if you if you play your cards right, they'll hopefully have a healthy relationship with money. It's just making sure that they're not becoming too obsessive with money. 
Um, so it's finding that balance. Maybe not all personality types are suited towards the pocket money system, but for me, I love trying to reach goals. I just, for me, it just worked. It worked really well. For my younger brother, it worked really well. And I think for Christy, it worked really well. But for Becky, it's a whole nother story and we will go into another podcast. So that's all from me. It's a short and sweet podcast today. I hope you enjoyed it. I will be touching more on the pocket money system with my dad and each one of my siblings so I can hear their perspective. Because if you are considering this for your children, then you probably should take into consideration the different personality types and how you can enhance it for your children and make sure that it's not damaging them in any way in um, their relationship with money. Hope you enjoyed it and we'll talk to you later. Mm -hmm.